Well, this afternoon we have the, the privilege of joining together at the Lord's table. And I want to remind you of a couple of things as we spend some time thinking about the real Memorial Day. It's Memorial Weekend. We'll highlight a few things on that in a little bit. But the supper that's set before us is really a beautiful picture of Memorial Day. But I would also remind you, and be remiss to not remind you, that this is a supper for believers. It's a time for us to remember the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never confessed him as Savior and Lord, if you've never invited him to cleanse your sin, to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, you can simply do that at your seat as you receive those elements because what we're celebrating is what Jesus did for us at the cross of Calvary. Secondarily, I want to remind you that this time is a time for us to reflect on who we are in Christ. It's a time for us to set aside and put behind those things which the Lord has already forgiven us of. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the beauty of this supper is we celebrate what He's done. And so don't carry your stuff to the table let it go he's forgiven it he remembers it no more scripture says that Jesus takes your sin and he buries it in the depths of the sea that he doesn't even think on it it is so far removed from him that it is as far as the east is from the west and so as you receive the bread first and then the cup I simply ask you to hang on to them and we'll partake together uh, in a few moments. But this time that we're going to spend now, I would remind you, is in light of that Passover that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And as Jesus gathered with the disciples in that upper room in Jerusalem, uh, he met there at the table, and a couple of interesting facts jump out at us from the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this event, and they do it from a little bit different perspective, each one of them. But we find this, that they were celebrating a Passover meal. And so as you're receiving the bread right now, as you look at it, remember what that Passover bread was supposed to represent. It was unleavened. And so as it's unleavened, leaven is a picture of sin in Scripture. And so there's no sin in the body that would be broken of Jesus. And as they baked that bread in Egypt, as they fled from the the pain and suffering of 400 years of slavery, we have all, because of sin, fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been stained. And that bread as it was baked in Egypt was baked very hastily. It was put on a rock generally. And it very often was burned. And so it has the bruises on it. And so when you look at it, the prophet Isaiah said 
He was bruised for our iniquities. You see, my stains, your stains, the things that you have done, the things that I have done, Jesus took upon his body for us. And there as they prepared that bread in Egypt, the other thing that they did was they, they took and stuck holes in it to help the steam evaporate quickly so it could cook quickly. And so the bread that you hold is also pierced. And so what you hold signifies that it is a representation of the sinless body that was bruised and pierced and broken. He did that so you don't have to be bruised yourself, so you don't have to be worried about the stains that are in your life. Jesus took those on himself at the cross, and he paid the price for them. You'll next receive the cup. And as we do so, again, just please hang on to them and then we'll partake in a moment. In the meantime, take the things that maybe you brought in today. Perhaps you came and you you brought with you something that just needs to be let go to God. Just do it. He's the sin-bearing servant. He's the one who paid the price for everything that you could ever think or do or ask. And so we just simply would ask you, to now spend some time as we worship and prayerfully consider the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. Last Supper. That time when the disciples met, you, you can find it in Mark 14, John 13, Luke 22, Matthew 26. It's interesting because each of the gospel authors, and it's one of the reasons that we believe they're accurate because they saw it from their own perspective. But there are many little details and one of them that I've always found strangely beautiful is that at that supper table, it wasn't like Michelangelo's painting that so very often people associate with the Last Supper, this big long table with all the disciples in a row and Jesus in the middle. It wasn't like that at all. It was Roman times and that upper room would have been furnished in a way that would have been of the period and so they would have gathered at a triclinium, a three-sided table open in the middle so that the servants could come and place food in front of everyone, do all their various duties. But we're given some details And so we know who was sitting next to Jesus. Because we're told a little detail that it was John who leaned back and placed his head on Jesus' breast. Because the customs at the time, they would have all been leaning on their left arm, their left elbow. And they would have been taking their food with their right. The only way that John could lean back on Jesus' breast as if John was seated to the right side of Jesus. So he would have been in a place of honor. And Jesus in the Gospels is portrayed this way, because also seated at that table was the man in a very short period of time that would actually betray Jesus. Judas Iscariot was sitting at that table. And Jesus said, the one who will betray me is the one with whom I will dip my bread 
the only other place that Judas could have been was to the left side of Jesus because John was on the right. So seated seated with Jesus at the table with an opportunity to repent was none other than Judas. Don't be sitting at the table with Jesus unrepentant. Leave your stuff with him. He's paid for it. And so as we look at the bread, Jesus at that supper, Paul records it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The gospel authors all record it in their various forms. But Jesus took the bread, and when he had broken it, he said to them, Take and eat, for this is my body, broken for you. Let's partake together. And as the Gospels remind us, this was a Passover meal. And if you remember we're told that Jesus sent the disciples into the city and they were to go find a man who was carrying a pitcher of water and to inquire of him and that he would already have a room ready for Passover. Two things. Number one, men didn't carry water pitchers. So it would have been very easy to spot. And there was only one group of men that actually did that, and that was the Essenes, the same people who were the authors or the keepers of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They did their own work. And so they find this man, and he leads them to an upper room already prepared for Passover. So at that table, there would have been all the necessary things for a Passover meal, including all of the cups. And so Jesus takes the cup after supper. The first cup after supper is the cup of praise. And Jesus would have lifted up that cup and see the reason that we can praise, the reason that we can pray, the reason that we have new life, the reason that we are called the children of God is because Jesus Christ reconciled us back to God the Father through his own shed blood. And so Jesus picked up that cup that would be the cup of praise and he raised it up and when he had drunk from it himself, he looked at all the disciples and he said, and you do likewise as often as you drink of this cup. For this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for the remission of sin. In other words, my sins are taken care of. Your sins are taken care of by the blood of Christ. He said, do this as a memorial to me. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, that first Last Supper was also a memorial day. He said, do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember his blood shed for us. Let's partake together.
Father, we thank you that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That you, Jesus, didn't count it robbery to take upon yourself the form of mankind. As you submitted yourself even to the death of the cross, that by your stripes we would be healed and by your blood we would be reconciled. Lord, the price has been paid and we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we don't need to beat ourselves up to try and earn your favor. You, Jesus, took that beating for us so that we could be right. You shed your blood for us so that we could be freed and made whole. We bless your name. We remember you. We praise you. We exalt you, Jesus. And it's in your blessed name we pray these things. Amen. We are a privileged people. And we are about to embark on, certainly in my lifetime, next week, a time where we get an opportunity to affect the government by casting a vote for a presidential candidate. And I've been asked untold numbers of times over the last several months, what are we to do? And I think it's very appropriate on this Memorial Day that we take a step back and realize how privileged we are to even have the ability to gather together today to be here to worship the Lord. Amen? I've had many Christians that have looked me in the eye and actually said things like, why should I vote? We live in a country that allows us the free expression. But that free expression that we privilege ourselves with has turned into rhetoric. It's turned into tart tempers and flaming tongues. And while I was in Israel, I was asked by an Israeli, you know, what's going on in your country? And I said, well, right now we have the choice in our presidential election between Satan and the Antichrist. <laughs> it doesn't appear that either is really all that great. But we are still a privileged people. And this isn't about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. It's not about independents. It's about who we are as people of God. And we are blessed beyond any imagination to be in this country. And we have not just the privilege, but we have the right to be able to say with one stroke of a balloting machine who we prefer. And I want to just take a few minutes, just our remaining time, and speak to why this is so important. This is Memorial Weekend, and sadly, I actually asked a few people what 
they believed Memorial Day was about? Here's a couple of the answers I got. It's the beginning of summer. True story. It's the first of the barbecue season. Isn't it just like Veterans Day? We've reached a place in our country to where for the sake of political correctness, we've kind of forgotten from where we have come. And I think maybe it's time for us to push the reset button and recognize that as Christians, we have a distinct responsibility to vote for godly rulers. And that has been purchased by the blood of about one and a half million patriotic Americans. The holiday that we celebrate actually has its origins three years after the end of the Civil War. And again, sadly, many Americans don't even realize that the most costly war in human terms for the United States of America was not the Second World War, it wasn't the First World War, it was the Civil War. 750,000 predominantly men perished in that war. A war in a divided country. And when you look at our world today, one might say, have not these same types of things risen again? And it was there on May 5th of 1868 that General John Logan, who was commander of the Grand Army of the Republics of the North, decided that he would take the 3rd Cavalry Regiment and they would decorate all of the graves in Arlington with flags. Didn't matter what side. You see, because Memorial Day is about reconciliation. It's not about what divides us. It's about what unites us. It's not that we don't have differences. It's that we should express those differences in a way that does not express hatred and anger and the vitriol that we're seeing. I am sick to death of the news media driving this country. It's wrong. And we as the church need to stand up and start voicing our opinions in Christ. I think one of the precious privileges that, that we have is to recognize our history is imperfect. And it is imperfect. We are not a perfect people. We don't have a perfect country. But we still love, live in the, in the most free place on planet Earth. And that freedom didn't come in a vacuum. When the Puritans left Europe and they landed on our shores in the Mayflower, they, they didn't bring with, the, with them uh, a, a mentality of anything other than they came to worship the Lord freely. 
And that got passed down to our founders. And as the Declaration of Independence was written, interestingly enough, very wisely, they recognized that we would have differences. And so how does the preamble of the Declaration of Independence have its origins? It begins with an understanding that there is nature and nature is God. And that all of our rights have, in, have been endowed to us by the Creator. Not by the President, not by the Congress, not by the Supreme Court, by the Creator. And that among those inalienable rights, those things which are yours because of who you are as a human being, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so that flooded through and ended up enshrined in the Constitution. James Madison would write at the Constitutional Convention that the Constitution itself was completely and wholly unsuited for any other type of people than those who believed in God. It won't work any other way because the basic assumption is we're free because God's made us free. And by the way, that was exactly what Martin Luther King believed. That is what all patriots believe. God's made us free. It's not an American thing. It's a God thing. If you ever have the chance, and I believe it ought to be mandatory, that every child born in this country, someplace between junior high and the end of high school, ought to have to go to Washington, D.C., and spend some time, go to the tomb of the unknowns, and you watch those soldiers of the 3rd Cavalry Regiment change the, the guard at the tomb of the unknowns and walk those 21 solemn steps each direction, turn, face that tomb, count for 21 seconds, turn, and go the other seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Why? If you ever watch when they shoulder their arm, they always shoulder their their weapon away from the tomb and towards where any perceivable threat might come. That's America. You see, Jesus, when he died for our sins, made it very, very clear that he was freeing us to live a new life. Not a life like the old life, not a life of sin, but a life freed from sin. And yet we sit here in a world today to where we're we're being prompted to to stay at odds with one another. I was shocked as as I'm reading some of the outcomes of these supposed rallies if the only thing that comes out of those is more hatred being spewed, then I would say to you, they're not of God. And America needs to wake up. We as the church need to voice our opinion. I remember 
being in Boy Scouts and for Memorial Day, maybe some of you have been around long enough like I have, you remember selling those little white cards with a red poppy on the end of it. Those came from the First World War. came from a poem called Flanders Fields and it was an American professor at the University of Georgia who actually, Moena Michael, who actually started that whole process. And I remember my scoutmaster, whom I had the privilege of laying to rest at Fort Rosecrans National Cemetery in San Diego. You see what he had? He was a Christian who quietly served his country and I had no idea who he was. I found out when I got there to the site, to the grave site, as the soldiers lined up for a military salute as an F-18 from Miramar flew overhead that he had won a silver star and a bronze star fighting for our country on Iwo Jima. Why do I share that with you? Because people are all about screaming and yelling the most absurd and idiotic things and we have forgotten how wonderful it is to be here as Americans. We're so busy complaining about what is dividing us that we forget what unites us. And we need to remember who we are in Christ as the church. And Christ didn't come to divide. He came to divide sheep and goats and believers and unbelievers. But as far as the church, we've been called, as Jesus preached that amazing sermon on the mount, as it began with the Beatitudes, he said, instead of hating people, you love them. Instead of being angry with them, you be kind to them. And that which you want others to do, you do that to them. You see, as believers, we have a real reason to be thankful today. Because we've already received the greatest gift. It's our salvation. Amen? We're going to heaven. The world needs that message. And I want to encourage you. What the world needs right now is a major dose of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We don't need more Fox News. We don't need more CNN. We don't need more political debates. If I watch another Republican debate, I will have to harm myself. What we need is more Jesus. Do you realize you have what the world needs? And here's where I tie all this together. Next week when we vote, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm going to tell you how to come up with the right answer. You vote out evil and vote in righteousness. That's what you do. Amen? Here's how you get that answer. If you will ask of God, He wants you to know His will. If you pray, He will answer. So you take that ballot 
and you spread it out before the Lord and you put your hands on it and you say, God, I don't know what to do. Because right now, it looks like Satan and the Antichrist. And so I need to know what you need me to do because I don't know. The reason we have not is because we ask not. We need to ask. And we need to ask God to change this country. Because He can do that. He can solve these things that are tearing us apart. He can take all the injustice and all the inequity, the things that are absolutely real and happening every day, and He can make them right if we will submit ourselves to His purpose and plans. But we need to ask. And once we ask, we need to then act. And if we do that, we will have done all that we can. As we finish the book of Ephesians, you may well remember the sixth chapter. Therefore, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Just stand with Jesus. It's not about being a Republican. It's not about being a Democrat. It's not about being an Independent. It is about voting Jesus. It's about hearing from heaven and then doing what heaven says. So when people ask you, you just simply tell them you're a Christocrat. You believe that Jesus ought to rule and reign in righteousness. Jesus changed our dynamic, did he not, when he preached? His message of life on this earth was absolutely, utterly the opposite of what the world taught. The world says, well, let's retaliate, let's get revenge, let's shout louder, let's, let's make fools of ourselves. And Jesus said, you do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you for my name's sake. So be like Jesus, you'll probably get persecuted, but you love on those people. Don't get embroiled in all the insanity that's going on right now. Don't do it. It stains the name of Jesus. Let his character shine through your life. And when people ask you, you tell them you have a hope and it resides within you. And it's because Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Holy Spirit can still restrain evil, folks. As we thank God for the blessings that we have in this country, and they are many and they are varied. We just spent 10 days driving some 900 miles in buses, which is virtually the length, the width, the breadth of the nation of Israel. Watching armed soldiers patrolling civilian streets because of the threat of war on a daily basis. Praise God that we don't have that here in this country. Praise God that you can take your kids and go to the park. Yeah, there may be a few crazy folks wandering around, but by and large, you're going to come home safe and sound right back to your home. We can go to the stores, and they're full of every good, fruitful thing that you could possibly ever want or imagine. Since the expansion on the Delamo Mall, we now have the second largest mall in the country, the third largest mall in the world. I don't know whether I can say praise God or what 
hear you doing, Lord. But I know this. There ain't anything that you can't get over there. We are blessed people, are we not? Let's act like blessed people. Let's treat each other with kindness and respect, with joy and with love, with forgiveness, with the deep sense that everyone matters, that the Lord loves all. Amen? We can have our differences, but we can disagree agreeably. Amen? And if we'll do that and we'll pray, there's nothing that we can't do. We're still great. We may not be the only nation on the, in, on the face of the earth that's a great place to live, but I wouldn't trade it for any other place. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll close with this. Beloved, verse 21 says, May the God of peace that brought from the dead our Lord Jesus. He's the God of peace that brought Jesus from the dead. That great shepherd of the sheep, All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned unto his own way. The Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all, Isaiah said. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Not to do your will, to do his. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. So as we celebrate Memorial Day, remember Jesus paid the price so that we could be free. And it is this country that enables us to express that freedom. So be grateful. Be thankful. Be blessed. Be like Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and we're going to pray and then we'll close and worship. Father, thank you for the blood of countless patriots, normal people who lived everyday lives, maybe our neighbors who've lost a loved one fighting for this country. God, we're grateful that you've planted us here allowed us the privilege to live here. We pray that you would bless us with your peace. God, as we embark on this journey to elect a new president, Lord, we don't know what to do, but you do. And so, God, if you need to reshuffle the deck and bring some new yet unknown candidate, God, you could do that. We believe that. But, Lord, more importantly, we pray that you would rule and reign in our hearts and that we would do your will. God, that we would be what you called us to be as people. Bless us, we pray. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for what Memorial Day means every day to us. We bless your name. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen.